You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. As we continue on with our rankings season, it is episode 180, season four, episode four. I was going to say episode four of season four. I'll work on that. I'll work on that. But ranking season continues on. As tonight, if you're watching on YouTube, I am the only one man enough to show his face behind his rankings. um, Since, you know, there were some questionable rankings last week. And and I, I guess that led to some people you know hiding behind a zoom wall instead yeah, who, of you know could that have been <laughs> no te- some technical difficulties but uh you know we're persevering pushing through as we rank short stops tonight uh it's a very interesting discussion um a very deep position are arguably the, the deepest position of any of the what nine or 10 that we'll end up doing maybe eight. I don't know how many we'll, we'll end up doing, but arguably the deepest position. And it's probably something that couldn't have been said three years ago, maybe two years ago. It was very top heavy. And now it's surprisingly balanced and closer together than you might think, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. I'm joined uh, again by my good friend, Ryan. You can follow him on Twitter at we are all Shaq and Trey. You can follow him on Twitter reverse Two still reverse. stresses, still yep. reverse. Uh, oh, I guess I should mention that. You should see that below. I did officially change my handle. No big deal. Just a yeah, new what's era. Up, Nats for Moose. Nats Moose. And well, shout out Ryan for the name. And that's another thing, Trey. I'm sure you, you you've kind of 
checked it out yourself. Impossible to find a good like Twitter handle. Just like yeah, all the good ones are gone, and you have to settle for something like reverse two R's two S's. Um, but <laughs> I can't see hey, your man. face, so I don't know if you're laughing or not. If, um, it, if it was, if it was the OG <laughs> reverse, then it would have, it would be sweet. I check. I honestly, I was like, uh, I wonder if I could just like somehow sneak in and and grab reverse, like the, <laughs> the original reverse, because that's if you got the original one, it would be awesome. You would just, you would just own me at that point. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah. So shout out Ryan for the idea. But yeah, I. I'm officially embracing the moose nickname that my uh, some of my players actually started by one of the parents, but the players adopted it and called me coach moose. So officially Nats moose feels good. It's much easier to go with the nickname when it's like given to you. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, so that's my new handle. Um, So follow me at, uh, at Nats Moose now, and obviously the show at Half Street Height. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that bell, subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening uh, via the OG platforms, wherever your podcasts are found, be sure to head to our YouTube channel and subscribe as well. Um, obviously, the big news that came out recently um, today, actually, uh, we're recording a couple days before this is coming out. Uh, no, no deal has been struck between the PA and the MLB. There's a lot of <laughs> uh, politicking going on. Um, you know, we could obviously do a whole episode about this. Ryan, I, I wanted to pass it to you, though, because you, you know, have become the bat shack and have taken justice and vengeance into your own hands. Vengeance. have been <laughs> uh, honestly doing, like, not that you don't do great work anyways, obviously I, I, I love you, but like you did great, you know, uh, investigative work into the numbers and just how like you framed it very well is basically what I'm trying to say with the numbers. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about like the CBT and basically just how much money the owners are pocketing versus what they're actually offering? Yeah, the whole, the whole process was very disingenuous by the owners, um, there's a report coming out that in December, one owner said that their goal was to break the union, not make a deal. It's very, very Seems easy like to that. figure out who that owner is. Um, not naming names, but I'm looking in Colorado. But the whole process is just so stupid. And the owners were just focusing and fixating on $220 million for the tax threshold and not coming up which is really dumb when you think about it, because if it was staying consistent with revenue, which it's not, um, it would start at 290 million this year for teams. How much money are the owners trying to save? Well, they get $60 million from the national TV deals. On average, teams get 40 million from the local deals. So every team's starting out with about a hundred million dollars before tickets ever sold. Right? So that's more than half the league's payroll right then and there off the bat. Then I found this out. Every team made on average about $3.1 million in food and merchandise in 2019 per game. That's $251 per million. So do the math. That's $350 million teams have made without selling a single ticket. And that also doesn't count in the advertising, the marketing, all the other money things that teams get. It's stupid. The owners are ruining baseball. They do not care about baseball. And they're just basically ruining it because, like I said, 
without taking in advertising, which is a lot of freaking money and not ticket sales, which is a lot of money. Teams are sitting at about $350 million of revenue already. The Dodgers TV deal is also worth $330 million. So do some math. Um, there's a lot of bad stuff going on by the owners. And if you are considering, you know, like, oh, this is both sides. The players are greedy. You should probably look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself why, because it's rather obvious what's going on. And it's not the side that MLB Network refused to show their press conference for at fault. Yeah. And I mentioned this in our, you know, Half Street High Heat group chat earlier, but the, it seems like the most popular counter argument right now, at least, or at least today was, you know, 16 of the 20 largest contracts in, you know, uh, North American major sports are baseball contracts, but that's not who they're fighting for. That's not what this is about. This is about the minor league. Well, the, you know, minor leaguers. Yes. But like the not top tier talent guys, obviously in any sport, the top tier talent guys are going to get paid. You know, we're talking about the pre-arb guys and, and just also just getting owners to spend money. Because if you look at, trying to find a good example, you know, teams that will pay one or two guys and then not do anything or like, you know, the extreme cases, there's plenty of those where the Rays are trading away Cy Young award winners the year after they win and, you know, trading guys before they are due to get paid. And, you know, uh, teams like the Orioles are, have like a $30 million payroll and, you know, Max Scherzer's making more than that himself. It's, it's not about the top dollar. It's about like the bottom dollar in my mind. That's the best way I can put it. And obviously there's people that are, you know, way more involved in the negotiations and in the research than I am, but it's never been a question to me about who's right and wrong here. Cause obviously in these negotiations, you're going to take a side that's kind of natural when it's so publicized, but it's never been a question to me. It's like, the, the players have a legitimate gripe here. The owners are taking whatever they want, doing whatever they want and ruining the product when it's the players who really put asses in seats and all that stuff. It, it's just, it's horrible to, to watch, but I'm glad at least, you know, you see a, a bunch of players utilizing Twitter and social media and players that wouldn't normally use t- Twitter and social media if there wasn't, you know, a labor negotiation going on, but they're taking two platforms like Twitter to, you know, get their side out. And I, I think that's incredibly important, you know, when this is all about narratives and framing and you have freaking MLB network, not showing all of the press conference. Like it's just, it's, and you have Rob Manfred laughing, at the idea of canceling game. It's just, I don't understand how anyone can be uh, pro owner or, Oh, both sides are wrong. Um, but Trey, I, I know you, you felt some type of way about the both sides are wrong argument. What do you think? Oh yeah. I mean, I was, I mean, it, you may, I mean, really you couldn't say both sides before like yesterday. And like, even then it was still, you're, you're still not paying enough attention even before that. But after yesterday, there's no both sides here. Um, if you want to pick the owner side, I guess that's fine, even though you're wrong. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the players are getting screwed. Um, I think you guys hit on a lot of the great financial points. The one point that I was uh, thinking about earlier that I thought was interesting 
is, uh, you know, the guy who's getting the most um, press as being like at the forefront of current players is Max Scherzer. And I just think it's kind of interesting that people aren't really paying attention to the fact that Max Scherzer's on his last contract and he's already secured it. Why else would he be fighting for players if, unless it wasn't, wasn't for him, it's not for him. Uh, And Andrew Miller was another guy who's really involved and he's an older veteran as well. So he's not fighting for him to get more money. He's fighting for the younger guys to get more money. Uh, So if you guys, if people aren't paying attention to that, they're just, they're just not doing enough research. Yeah. The, Again, the 16 of the 20 largest contracts. And Max Scherzer's up there if you want to talk AAV and stuff like that. Uh, that's just such a lazy argument. Like, it's just some of the stuff you saw on Twitter today is just like. <sighs> Critical thinking skills today on Twitter. Right. Very, very weak. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so th- all that being said, baseball will not start in time. I don't think that's necessarily a surprise to anyone. I think if you thought a deal would get done, it was out of sheer optimism, not realism. Um, it, it sucks. Like, obviously, I want baseball to start on time. But at the same time, if it takes canceling the whole season to get this the way it should be, it, it you know, it needs to happen. Like, because maybe this is the fall of the players. Again, I'm not going to try to pretend like I'm, you know, the most versed on the history of labor negotiations, but it seems like the, the players are trying to kind of catch up with, you know, past negotiations and not getting it to the level it should have been. I I don't know, but I'm just saying there's a lot of ground to be covered and the players shouldn't budge until they get it to where it should be today in 2022. So no baseball on time. You know, we'll we'll see when or if it starts. The uh, MLB gave their best and final offer. That was if that's their best and final offer. I mean, we we're talking about a new baseball league at this point. Like, just start up a new league. The MLB is dead. Start up the National Baseball League, the NBL or something, and uh, you know, just pivot because that best and final offer was complete dog shit. So. That's the state of baseball. That's the state of the sport we love. Um, great stuff there, you know, whatever. But something we do love and do cherish and will never take for granted and will always come out on time is our rankings and ranking season. Tonight we are tackling shortstops. We have our top 10. Uh, I will preface this by saying we have a lot of honorable mentions too. Uh, it was a very, like I said earlier, deep position and a lot of uh, good convincing arguments for a lot of these guys, especially, you know, seven through 15, seven through 12, something like that. It's really, really close. And even, you know, four through four to 10 isn't that big of a difference in my mind. Um, But a convincing argument, nonetheless, for a lot of these guys. Uh, Before we get into the official top 10, I will kick it to Ryan because Ryan had Jorge Polanco uh, playing shortstop. We don't know where Jorge Polanco is going to be. I had him in uh, Trey and I had him in second base last week. Um, and he was in both of our top tens. If he was a shortstop officially, which he may or may not be, we don't know. He would be in my top 10. So I did want to kind of uh, come back to him and let Ryan, you know, talk about him a little bit. Uh, Cause he would be in a top 10. So I guess the top 10 honorable mention sort of 
Jorge Polanco. Ryan, what do you like about Jorge Polanco? Yeah, so we've there's a lot of people in the middle infield that you could disagree about their positions because everyone kind of hops around. Yeah, who, who the hell knows? <laughs> um, I put him at, at shortstop, and the reason why I'm such a big fan of him, last year he had five war, 125 OPS plus, 826 OPS. On base, only 326. You know, I'm on base guy. I want that up. But he had an over 500 slugging and 33 bombs in the AL Central. There's not exactly the most hitter-friendly parks in that division. Detroit's so you... not hitter-friendly? <laughs> um, no. You know, um, look up what Nicholas Cassian <laughs> yep, said when he got traded out of there. <laughs> <laughs> um, 270 hitter, 276 on his career career high and slugging last year i'm just a big fan of him i think he's finally consistently developed that slugging his slugging was way down in 2020 i don't care about 2020 but in 2019 when he was an all-star he had a 485 slugging as well and he hit 300 so i think he's consistently found that power stride which makes him a top shortstop or second base wherever he plays mix in with good defense as well and he's top 10 at whichever position he's at yeah, hundred percent. I, you know, again, like I just said, if he is a shortstop, whatever he's considered to be, he's top ten. He's really, really good. Uh, no qualms there. Uh, Jorge Polanco, very good in an otherwise not great situation with Minnesota. Although, who who the hell knows? Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're shit. Who knows? Uh, but I guess honorable mention to kick it off. Now we move on to number ten. Number ten on our list, and I will preface again by saying there's a lot of ties. Uh, in the composite rankings between Ryan and myself, uh, Trey, you know, I assume you'll probably be along the same lines, uh, but a lot of ties and, um, you know, kind of very similar rankings between Ryan and myself. I think we only had like one or two guys flipped. Um, but number 10 on the composite rankings is Wander Franco, the new sensation, uh, <laughs> what age 20 season last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he, all right. So he played, 70 games he put up three and a half war guys like three and a half so i mean close to an eight war season as his rookie season if you extrapolate that over a full season obviously health and and everything uh 288 average uh 347 on base 810 ops again rookie season like this guy is so good and i'll honestly put it at this and i'll let you guys take over if you are so good that the Rays decide to pay you. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the, the only argument you, you need. Um, I wanted to put him so much higher. Like I am fully bought into the hype. Uh, I will leave uh, my uh, part on Wander Franco with this. I think he's going to be a top five shortstop by the year's end. Uh, assuming we play like a, a majority of the 162 no, obviously not the full 162 but a majority of the 162 i think wander franco will be top five by years he is so freaking good and the rays are obviously really really good it's not like you expect him to have that much of a down year because the rays are going to be bad i i think wander franco is going to take the world by storm like similar to how you know tatis and and some of the other young guys did i'm a huge wander franco fan but ryan uh you had him at number 10 i had him at number nine uh why did uh, wander franco crack your top 10 yeah wander is the truth when you look at his season 288 seven home runs 39 rbis 
810 OPS in 70 games as a rookie is very, very impressive. But when you look at it a little bit more, what he did after the All-Star break is what shows his potential and how special he really is. 55 games after the All-Star break, this is him as a rookie. Three, in five home runs, 22 RBIs, 872 OPS, and he walked 19 times and struck out 22. Only 22 strikeouts in 55 games as a rookie is absurd. Almost as many walks as strikeouts is incredible discipline, considering there's only about three players in baseball last season who had more walks and strikeouts. That is incredible plate discipline. And also, he did it on the big stage as well. In well, the race got bounced early, but when they're in the playoffs, Wander hit great. He had two home runs, a 1,200 OPS, hit 370. He did have the biggest stage as a young player, truly showing his potential. The Rays locked him up for a long time. He probably couldn't have gone about double or triple that if he hits his full potential. That's all right. He got his money. He got his longevity, and he's going to be the absolute truth. It was a very small sample size. All of these are small sample size alerts, but when you're putting up these numbers in a small sample size, you're the truth. And going off potential, he's top 10. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Also, today, March 1st, is his birthday. So happy birthday, Wander Franco. <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, Trey, did Wander Franco crack your top 10? If not, why are you so dumb? Uh, yeah, he was my number nine. Um, <laughs> right. And like you were saying, he could be top five. Uh, he would be a top five in pretty much any other position. The only problem is that short stuff's just so deep mm-hmm. that – you know, the 70 game sample size can't quite put him up there, but um, he has every tool. He is in terms of just pure entertainment value. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but he's probably a top five for me going into this season just to watch just because everything he can do is so impressive. Um, you know, it's funny because he doesn't have very many steals and that's, uh, that's, uh, that's because of the Rays philosophy. But he has so much speed. This guy, he's so fast. And uh, so I wonder if they'll, they'll let him loose a little bit more, but probably not because they don't do that. Um, but, yeah, once, as soon as we get a bigger sample size of this, he's going to be, you know, top 15 player eventually, probably soon. I, I don't – I mean, granted, we had Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper, but um, it, it's – it's something when you have a number one prospect in baseball called up and he's actually good. Like, <laughs> what's that like? Uh, you know, that, you know, couldn't be the Nats. Uh, but yeah, Wander Franco, number 10 on our uh, composite rankings. Moving on to number nine, that is one, Tim Anderson. Uh, when we are ranking him, Ryan actually said something uh, that we probably have Tim Anderson too low, which is honestly probably true. But it's it's so hard to put him over anyone else. Uh, but that's not to take anything away from him. He's been great for some time now. In 2021, 4.8 war, uh, 309 batting average. Again, that's not the end-all be-all, but he does have a batting title under his belt. Uh, 338 uh, on base, 806 OPS, uh, you know, great bat flips as well, like high entertainment value, which, you know, I'm always going to throw a couple points to when I'm trying to rank these players. He's been great for 
basically his his entire stint with the, the White Sox. He's going into year seven with them already, and it feels like you know he still has so much left in the tank. Um, doesn't walk a lot, but you know the the on base percentage is still very respectable. It's I wonder what it would be like if he was able to to work more walks. But again, it's not you know, it doesn't define him as a player. He, he's still very good. Ryan, why did you like Tim Anderson so much? Oh, I had him number 10. You had him number nine. So we flipped him, but why do you like Tim Anderson? Yeah. Tim Anderson in 2019 had his coming out party. That is when he really took a massive step. He won the batting title that year, almost a, almost a, a hundred point swing in his batting average. And everyone's like, is this a flash in the pan or is he here? He's here. Um, since 2019, he's slashing 322, 349, 495, 45 home runs in that span. Power's not his thing. That's fine. He's a leadoff guy. 72 doubles in that span as well. His defense is also improving over the course of playing. Um, he is 11 runs better defensively. Defensive run saves where he was in 2019. His zone rating is also getting better. He's covering more range out there when he's playing shortstop his range is good his speed is good he's getting a lot better defensively he's a consistent threat with the bat his approach is getting better his strikeout rate is now well below league average it's below 22 percent it was 27 percent when he came to the league his walk rate is low but it's getting up and he's also not swinging out pitches outside the zone as much which is why we're seeing tim anderson take that huge gap from hitting 240 to winning the batting title Tim Anderson has finally figured it out. He's the face of the Chicago White Sox for a very young, exciting team. He has swagger. His home run in the uh, the cornball game. Forgot where was it? Iowa. 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 Yeah, his, his his walk off <laughs> home run in that was just absolutely iconic. And he's fun. He's a great player, and he's only getting better as he keeps playing. So I'm really excited to see what 2022 has in store when we finally play. The cornball game was like one of the only correct decisions the MLB made by sending juice baseballs to that, you know, game or it was just a game, but uh, <laughs> all the home runs heading into the corn was just awesome. Like that's not the game where you want, uh, you know, two to one pitcher stool, like you, you want fireworks. So that's one of the only times I, you know, side with the MLB Trey, Tim Anderson. Yes. No. Yes. He's my number 10. Um, you know, since Ryan didn't say it, I will, he got that dog in him. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And also it's, he got that dog. You may not believe this. However, I actually called that walk off Homer and, uh, my, you know, I'll get, I'll get my friends maybe to attest for me, but I did call that to be fair. Uh, he's just got the great, great combo of uh, contact power and speed. You guys pretty much hit every, every point on him and he's an improved defender. Uh, I would have put him even higher if he played a full season last year, but he only played uh, just over 120 games. Um, But yeah, I mean, again, we are stuck in this position where all these players are so great that Tim Anderson at 10 feels just so disingenuous, but you know, we couldn't really, couldn't really move him any higher. Um, But I definitely couldn't leave him out either. Yeah, no, that's for sure. He's definitely deserving of top 10 and not really in too much jeopardy of being bumped by anyone on the outside looking in but it's it's tough to put him ahead of any anyone right now at least obviously he has been getting better like ryan said so who knows what 
the next season, whenever the hell the next season is played, uh, has in store for Tim Anderson. Moving on to number eight, uh, Ryan left him off his list. I had him number eight, and the tiebreaker, he was actually, this next guy was tied with Wander Franco, Tim Anderson, and Jorge Polanco, if you, you know, added up the scores and whatnot. The tiebreaker was whoever had him highest ranked. I had this guy ranked eighth. Like I said, Ryan didn't have him ranked. That is Bo Bichette, Flo Bichette. Uh, I love this guy, and I think, you know, as to be expected when you play with Marcus Semien and Vladdy Jr. and like this young and upcoming uh, Blue Jays team that were just so exciting to watch and they're trading for Jose Barrios and, and you know, signing Kenjin Ryu and like trying to make all these moves. It's easy to get lost in the shuffle, but Bo Bichette deserves the spotlight just as much as anyone else. 5.9 more last year, 298 average, uh, 828 uh, OPS 102 RBIs 29 home runs which you know if you if you look at him it's like you wouldn't think he's hitting for all that much power and that's no slight against him it's just shortstop not you know physically imposing you just would expect he's not uh, hitting for power but he is like he he had a great great year last year a lot of things to like about him um, and again he he's so young he's only it was his age 23 season last year. So again, for me personally, trying to do these projections, I, or rankings, I am doing projections also if there's like tiebreakers or especially something like shortstop where, you know, it is already so tight that I'm trying to do my best to think about how this next season might unfold. And for someone like Bo Bichette, he's so young that you would have to imagine he's going to be even better next year. Like as he, continues to figure things out and obviously the, the blue jays are, are highly competitive or seeming to be um and all this stuff so i love Bo Bichette. i think he's going to have a great great career um and obviously you put that head of lettuce on, on anyone like flo Bichette, also great nickname talking about nicknames like uh this dude has it all and i i said wander franco is going to be top five second bull prediction of the night Bobachet will be top five by season's end as well. But Ryan, you did not have him in your top 10. Why is uh Bobachet on the outside looking in? I love me a good bull prediction. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you make a list, sometimes you forget some people exist. And that's well, you gotta that's make okay. hard decisions too. That's what Shaq's all about. Exactly. You know, that's what I'm all about. At the end of the day, <laughs> my narratives are gonna be over everything. Um Look, Bo's good, 191 hits. He was also the first shortstop in MLB history. In 2020, he did this where he had seven straight games with an extra base hit in an RBI. That's fantastic. Um, I didn't include him in the top 10 because, look, I said it with Vlad. I said it with Simeon. I'm going to say for him. How much of his boost was from playing in South Florida? He had great numbers in 2019 and 2020. Played about a combined 70 games, and then this is his first full season. This could be very well who he is. We don't know. I want to see it. Prove me Rombo. I want to see it this year and realize it was not just South Florida. Letting him be a great guy and just pepper every single gap and hitting 30 doubles and 30 home runs and 190 hits. Yeah, perfectly fair. Obviously, you are nothing but consistent, and we love you for that. 
my like small counter argument is that, and again, it, it's small because of sample size, 46 games in 2019, 29 in 2020, like both those years, or, you know, if you put those together, like above an 850 OPS, uh, above a 300 batting average, above a 340 on base percentage, like, again, it's a 70 game sample, but we use that for Wander Franco. So it's like his 70 game sample prior to playing in, you know, a minor league stadium is still very encouraging. So that's why, you know, he has the 70 games that Wander Franco does, but he also has another full season with that, whether it's a minor league stadium or not. So that's why I personally had Bo Bichette so much higher than, and then, than you did. Um, I, I hope I'm not wrong because he's just someone you, you definitely want to root for. He, he's so fun to watch. And again, that head of lettuce is one of the best head of lettuces in uh, in baseball. But Trey, help me out here. Please tell me Bo Bichette's in your top 10. Bo Bichette is number eight on my list. Oh, so far we, we're three for three. We have the same we are, list. <laughs> we are. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's the same thing with Franco. It's just, I just want to see more now with Bichette. Obviously he's played a full season at this point, but with, again, with the shortstops that are above him, you can't really bump anybody off uh, until you see Bichette, more. you know, do that, do that for a longer period of time. And I think he's definitely capable The extra base hit potential with him in terms of gap power and home run power uh, are through the roof. Uh, he's got a great swing too. He just, he just hacks as hard as he can every time. And, you know, some, sometimes that doesn't work, but for him it does. So, uh, yeah. And then, you know, he's still got time to improve his defense. Uh, he wasn't particularly bad, but he, but compared to other shortstops, maybe a little bit lower, lower on the totem pole there, but he's only 23, like he's or 24 now maybe, but uh, yeah, he's got, he's got plenty of time to improve his defense. Uh, mm-hmm. So <laughs> again, it would be probably a top five player in any other position but he's number eight for me. Yeah. It, shortstop is just so deep, man. Just so deep. I said, um, I said the last two times that this was difficult. This was on another level. This one is like the real, all right, now we're serious. Like yeah. this is, you know, this was uh, pretty close, close together. Uh, moving on to number seven is a guy that's probably difficult to, for a lot of people to project right now. And I'm sure he's going through this himself as he's trying to negotiate a new contract. That is Trevor story comes in at number seven. Ryan and I both had him seven on our list. Uh, if you're just doing 2021, a little bit of a down year based on his career standards, 4.2 war, 24 home runs, 75 RBIs, 801 OPS. Um, obviously he was playing with the Rockies. And everyone knows the state of the Rockies currently the, you know, post Arenado trade and basically the, the post postseason run that they've had in 2018 uh, and, you know, everything that's happened since then. Trevor Story was, you know, really, really good for so long. And Ryan, I know you're the same way. I don't put too much stock into the Coors effect. So it's like I'm not going to. Uh, you know, view his numbers as overly inflated just based on where he plays half his games, uh, especially because he's been so consistent and he can't help where he plays. Like, you know, he played in Colorado. All right. So he raked, like he did what he was supposed to. And you can't really knock him for that. I mean, if you go back to 2018, 2019, I mean, he's consistently hitting above 290 with an over 900 OPS. He had 37 home runs followed up with 35 home runs. Um, and that, you know, he played in less games in 2019 than they did in 2018. He was uh, top 12 in MVP voting for three years in a row. Uh, 
fourth in rookie of the year voting back in uh, 2016. Like the sample size is there where it wasn't with someone like Wanda Franco, or Bo Bichette. Um, so he had a down year in 2021, but for me personally, again, I'm trying to project Trevor story clearly was not happy with the situation in Colorado, the front office. And Ryan mentioned the uh, lovely owner out there in Colorado earlier, like the front office and ownership promised the players one thing, right? They promised Arenado that they would try to build around him. And, you know, two years later, they're trading him to, uh, you know, someone in the same league um, and paying for him to be off the team at that as well. Trevor story thought he was going to get dealt at the deadline does not get dealt. He, you know, kind of voices his frustration. So for me, I'm the type to fact, try to factor in that kind of mental aspect of playing. And it talked about last week, uh, you know, when talking about Whit Merrifield and you talked about with Josh Bell, Christian Yelch, the, the guys that perform on bad teams or have to perform on bad teams. And I think Trevor Story, obviously with his uh, vocal frustration of ownership contributed to his down year. Is he, you know, as good as one through four on this list? Probably not, but he still deserves to be very much, you know, middle of the top 10 in my mind. No question about it. Like, I don't have any thought of dropping him out of my top 10. Ryan, you didn't either. Why do you like Trevor Story at seven? Yeah, Trevor Story had the James Harden fat suit on this year. (laughs) That man hated, hated playing for Rockies. You can't really blame him. He was no no stranger to voicing his frustrations, which again, I do not blame him at all. 2018 was his coming out party. And through 2018 to 2020, he was great. You know, he finished top 12 MP- MVP voting all through those years. Won silver slugger in 18 and 19 all-star in 18, 19. He's also had th- um, 2020 seasons in three, the last four years, probably would have one again in 2020, if not for the short season. He led the league in triples and stolen bases in 2020. 2021, he saw career lows across the board. Career lows in batting average, lower by 20 points of his career average. Career low in on base, 11 points. Career low in slugging by a good margin and a good margin with OPS as well. Like I said, he had the James Harden fat suit on. Do not blame him. I think wherever he signs, he is going to return back to his all-star form like we saw through 18 and 20 not putting too much stock into it. He's still a good player. His value might be a little bit lower than it should be. So whatever team signs him, it's going to be a great bargain. Agreed. hundred percent agreed. Um, I don't know what teams are necessarily necessarily in on him, but say he goes to New York, like the Yankees. I have to imagine he has quite the resurgence there, especially if it's on a one-year deal, he's looking to really cash in next year. Uh, I, I would have to imagine um, and, you know, if you want to talk about 2021, uh, in addition to all of the frustrations with ownership in the front office, you also don't have a perennial MVP candidate and Nolan Arenado in the lineup anymore. And not that he's the type that is dependent on someone, you know, more scary than him in the lineup. But we talk about protection for guys like Juan Soto and all this stuff like you need protection in these lineups or otherwise, you know, you're just never going to find a real groove so that obviously could be a huge factor into his decreased production this past year as opposed to years uh prior i do think he will bounce back and i do think he's going to be quite the bargain for someone once the lockout ends and teams can sign someone again trey is uh where's trevor story on your top 10 i put trevor story at number six 
because I also agree. I think he's going to have a big bounce back season. I mean, just getting out of that situation, you know, if is a win in itself, (laughs) if he, if he, who shall not be named was my owner, I wouldn't be very happy either. So, um, yeah. And he's got just, he's got a great combination of contact on base power and speed. Uh, and his defense is elite levels, by the way, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for that, but he is that good. Uh, and I think his power will definitely translate out of cores. He he's, he has legit power. It's not the cores effect. It's legit. Uh, so yeah, the James Harden fat suit, that's about as good as you can sum it up. Honestly, uh, he's gonna he's gonna be great for whoever signs him. I actually I wanted the the Nats to sign him in my original prediction video, which was feels like I guess like they thirty still years could, away, especially on point. a one year, especially on a one year deal. Give him one year, twenty five million, and if you suck, trade him at the deadline. Yeah, I was just saying, go ahead and sign him long term to show. So oh, I mean, I would love that spend. more, but you know, <laughs> yeah. who the hell knows? Yeah, but he's great, and um, yeah, he's gonna have a big big year. Yeah, um, I agree. So we're all in agreement there. Uh, moving on to number six on our list. Um, a guy also difficult to project because he has a, a difficult time staying healthy, and that is Corey Seager. I had him at – so I had him at five. Wait, hold on. Yeah, five. I can count. Nope. Yes, I can, I can count. I had him at five. Ryan also had him at five. He comes in at six because of the tiebreaker situation, uh, which we'll talk about with the two guys ahead of him. Uh, Corey Seager, when he's on the field, you could argue he's like top three, in my opinion. But he's so rarely on the field. Like there's all kinds of different injuries. Um, You know, people, it, it seems like so long ago, but like back in 2016, he was the MVP three when he won rookie of the year. Like that's, he was an all star as well. Followed up All Star Silver Slugger MVP seventeen, like he he's been so good for so long. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy. Obviously, the Rangers they had money to burn, but gave him a huge contract ten years, three hundred twenty five million. You're not going to give that contract to someone who doesn't perform when they're on the field. They're just taking the risk of how you know often will he be on the field. And you know, for just as a baseball fan, I hope it's more often than not, especially now that he's in the AL, but like he, he's so exciting. and So freaking good last year, 95 games played, but 306 batting average 394 on base percentage. So I know Ryan loves him. 915 OPS. Uh, I mean, just, there's a, so much to like about him. World series MVP uh, too. I, I might add it, it's, it's just a matter of how much are you getting with him? But when you get him, there's not much to dislike about him either. Ryan, what do you love so much about Corey Seager? Yeah, Corey Seager is great. You mentioned that World Series MVP. He was also NLCS MVP. And what stadium were they playing at when he did that? His new home in Globe Life. His numbers in Globe Life were kind of Were you going to say that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's literally like his best playoff numbers were in those stadiums. Corey Seager is very good. Like you said, it comes down to his health. When he's healthy, he's an elite shortstop. His recent injury history kind of gets you a little worried, you know. Last year, he broke um, his fifth metacarpal in his hand. Not too worried about a hand injury, to be honest with you. I it's don't really care about that. But 
it is something to keep track of. He did not qualify for any of the stats. If he did, he would have led in on-base percentage, fourth in slugging. He had over 900 OPS. That's back-to-back years with OPS over 900, career OPS 870. Like, we don't really have to argue about Corey Seager, you know, timely playoffs, home runs, timely playoff hits against the Nats. Everyone knows what he can do. If he can stay healthy, that's going to be the biggest question for the Rangers. But going off his career work alone, it, you can't argue about him being outside, like inside top 10. Like he's going to be there based on what he done last year and those 95 games as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Trey, how high is Corey Seager on your list? I put Corey Seager at number five uh, because, yes, there are injury concerns, but I mean, he just hits so well for a shortstop. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, he almost slugged 600 in the shortened season last year, or in 2020, excuse me. Um, and uh, in 95 games last year, uh, he just was so elite, uh, especially down the stretch and obviously in the playoffs as well, uh, or in 2020. But down the stretch, uh, he had a great final month of the season as well. So going right into uh, a new contract and next season, I think that's good for him to end uh, the season that hot. Uh, And yeah, he walks 12% of the time, which is ridiculous. So that's, that's going to translate regardless of, you know, anything else. Uh, If he's on the field, he's going to walk. So that's good. Yeah. So Corey Seager, very, very good. It's just a matter of how much can he play? He's only played above, 100 games three times in seven years granted one of those was obviously the shortened 2020 season but kind of alarming you know if you're trying to shell out 300 plus million for a guy but it's not that he doesn't deserve it just can he live up to it um so Corey Seager number six on our list even though we all had him ranked number five uh ain't life a bitch uh moving on to the real number five on our list we have Xander Bogarts I had him number four, which again, that's how the tiebreaker works is whoever's ranked higher. I had him number four. Ryan had him number six. Um, I have always been a huge Xander Bogarts fan, Uh, you know, prior to, I guess, 2020. I was like, oh, Xander Bogarts, best, best shortstop in baseball. Like when it was sort of like, you know, kind of a hot take, I guess. Um, I've always loved Xander. I, I think, you know, that contract he signed six years, 120 million. It was such granted that reset the shortstop shortstop market at the time, but it's such a bargain for the Red Sox. I thought Xander Bogarts was, you know, deserving of so much more. Uh, but just to go dive into the numbers a little bit, 4.9 war last year, uh, 370 on base percentage. So I know you guys will like him because uh, he gets on base. Uh, 863 OPS, uh, 23 home runs, 79 RBIs. Uh, he's just been a guy that has always performed. Like the Red Sox, we talk about. You know, their ups and downs, you know, they win the World Series and then they win 60 games and then they're back in the ALCS and then they win 70 games like uh, Xander Bogarts has just been a guy that, you know, has really performed uh, since he got his like everyday shot um, as their their starting shortstop. And, you know, he's just so good. Like, I I don't know how (laughs) like anyone can view him as not one of the game's best granted we talked about it the shortstop is a lot deeper now than it is uh or than it was a couple years ago but Xander Bogarts is still so elite and 
I guess this maybe uh, might be like a mini bold take here, but the Red Sox have proven themselves as a team that can go on a deep run. They're in the uh, ALCS this past year. Um, and, you know, I don't know how they do it. Like it's, you know, black magic or something, but they are capable of going on one of these deep runs. If they go on a deep run and Xander Bogarts is kind of the face behind it, similar to like what Corey Seager did, right? If Xander Bogarts goes and leads the Red Sox to, you know, a deep playoff run and possibly a World Series win, I, I would have no problem putting him as the best shortstop in baseball. Like, I, I believe in Xander Bogarts that much. He might not be as flashy as some of the other guys, but I think he's really damn good. And I've been a fan of his for quite a while. Ryan, uh, you had Xander a little bit lower than some of the other guys. Uh, what's up with Xander Bogarts for you? Yeah, Xander is special. I'm a big Xander fan. It's his ability to hit extra base hits and be consistent year in and year out. Um, his least amount of games played, not counting 2013, when he played 18, not counting 2020, is when he played 136 games. He's consistently going to hit mad doubles um, every year in his career, except for 2014. He's hit over 30 doubles. He's also hit over 40 doubles twice in his career, 52 doubles once, which is absurd. He's consistently great every single time at the plate. Don't really have to talk about that. The issue with Xander for me and the reason why I put him lower is he plays a premium position. And I'm going to mention this when I talk about someone a little bit shortly, his defense is atrocious. <laughs> Xander Bogarts is God awful defensively. He is not the only person I'm going to point this out for. When you look at it of 23 short shots, play at least 800 innings. He ranked 19 to defensive run save at minus five. Um, he was 34th of 35th and outs above average at minus nine. That was 27 runs behind Nick Ahmed who led He's a problem defensively, but when you're going to struggle defensively, you have to make it up offensively, and he does consistently year in and year out, which is the reason why people, mainly Red Sox fans, do not care about that because if you're going to struggle, you have to make it up elsewhere. He does, like I said, but there's conversations in Boston if they should move him out of shortstop when guys that they have in the system already just because he is so bad defensively that's why i had to bring him down a little bit lower than when i normally rate him yeah that's fair um jeter downs is probably the next shortstop they have right i think yes yeah um and obviously jeter downs is a very uh good prospect and projects well problem for xander is you know they have rafael devers at third i guess he could move to second but typically if you struggle at, at short, you're going to struggle, struggle at second, uh, very similar skill sets necessary there, but you know, who knows? I, I still love him. I still love Xander. Uh, Trey, where do you have Xander Bogarts in your top 10? Xander Bogarts came in at number four for me. Um, and it's mostly just because of how consistent he's been over the last four years, his lowest WRC plus during that time is 130, Uh, and that is well above average. So I, just the consistency in his hitting, he, he's not a great fielder, but uh, I think the greatness of his uh, hitting ability really takes him over the edge and kind of nullifies that for me, at least. Uh, and his 2019 season was absolutely insane, and I think he's absolutely capable of having another season like that. Uh, but the worst you're going to get from Xander Bar- Bogarts is if, 
if the worst you're going to get from Xander Bogarts is a 130 WRC plus, uh, then you should definitely take that any day of the week. Yeah, a hundred percent. Again, you you don't have to sell me on Xander. Um, hopefully, hopefully, he just gets better defensively. So you know, he he rises these rankings. But all right, moving on to number four as we crack into you know the, the top five, top four of our rankings, we have a guy here that I did not expect to be this high. In all honesty. I had him number six. Ryan was actually the guy who had him number four. And that's where the surprise comes because typically Ryan has not been the biggest fan. I guess recently, I won't say typically, uh, but recently Ryan has not been the biggest fan of this guy, even though prior to last year, he was probably the most likable guy in baseball. That is Francisco Lindor. Uh, Obviously he got, traded to the Mets he was previously with Cleveland for a while and just you know drowning in the cesspool that is Cleveland last year you know several career lows across the board 3.1 more 230 batting average 322 or on base percentage in the 734 OPS but if you want to go back to his years with Cleveland 2016 to 2019 he was an all-star uh top 15 and MVP voting or above in every single year two-time gold glove two-time uh Silver Slugger, Rookie of the Year 2, uh, back in 2015 when he made his debut. Uh, I mean, plus 30-plus bombs three years in a row. Uh, he was hitting towards the hot, top of the lineup, so obviously the RBI numbers might not be there, but he's still hitting 89, 92, 74 RBIs in those consecutive years. Uh, led the league in runs scored in 2018. Like, he, he has been so good, but he was not good in New York. So for me personally uh, – he played in 125 games. I know he battled some injuries, but 125 is, you know, still a good amount for me to like have the, be of the opinion that he might, he might be one of those guys that struggles in New York. And I granted the Mets are the little brother to the Yankees and all that stuff, but some guys get traded to New York, whether it's the Mets or Yankees and they just struggle. And I hope that's not, uh, the case for a Francisco Lindor. I mean, I do because I'm a Nats fan, but I hope that's not the case because he's, um, you know, so likable and, you know, the big smile on your face, he's good for baseball. But the the first year in New York was not inspiring. He got paid and I'm not accusing him of like only being in it for the money, but like, it, it's just, there is a red flag. Like he did not have a good year. Again, there was injuries and probably other reasons besides just bright lights, big city. Uh, going from Cleveland to New York, but uh, I was not all that inspired by his, his play last year when he was healthy. Who knows? The Mets were a dumpster fire themselves, so you could probably apply the Rockies argument with Trevor Story to Francisco Lador with dealing what he had to deal with with the Mets. Um, who the hell knows? But Ryan, you seemingly have gotten past your uh, previous narrative about Francisco Lindor. Why did you have him at number four? At New Year's, new narratives. Um, Francisco Lindor is a great shortstop. He, up until this year, was kind of like, again, like Bogart's the model of consistency. Consistency, 30 home runs. You know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to get you your 40-plus doubles. He had three straight years where he hit 40-plus doubles. Um, 40-plus doubles and 30-plus home runs in the same season together is quite impressive, to be honest with you, especially when you're doing that, hitting, stealing 20 bases up. Uh, as well um two times silver slugger got the gold gloves as well there's a reason for that excuse me he's also a platinum glove winner 
There are three positions on the field that you trade off great defense for bad offense. I'm not saying he was bad last year because it was bad for his standards. It was the worst year offensively of his career. But when you look at his numbers, he was still above league average. They will provide consistently great defense for the Mets last year. Those numbers were below where he has been in his career. But like I said, he is a gold glove and a platinum glove winner. Of course, it's going to be a little bit lower. But if you're a shortstop providing great defense, it truly doesn't really matter how you're going to do offensively because how that is going to change your offense. Sorry, your infield. Defensively, I do think he bounces back as well and pops back up to who he was. He's only entering his age 28 season. There's no reason why he can't hit 30 home runs and 40 some odd doubles again. And I think he's going to. And if he keeps providing that great defense, Mets aren't going to complain. That is fair. Trey, where did uh, Francisco Lindor fall on your list? I had Lindor at number seven. Um, a little bit and it was mostly just because I think that Story and Seager are also going to have great years because I think Lindor is going to bounce back too. Uh, and his defense, it wasn't quite at the same level as he has done in the has had in the past, but I think that'll that'll even out. Um, the, the only concern was his uh, he struggled a lot against fastballs. At least I remember early in the season last year, uh, just high velocity. So hopefully he can get that fixed um, because. He's an exceptionally talented player. I mean, he could, I mean, shoot. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was probably about to take the number one spot, if not took the number one oh, spot yeah. at shortstop. Um, so, uh, yeah, but he's, I mean, he's 28. Like, he's got plenty of time. He's going to bounce back. But I also think that the other guys are going to have great seasons as well. So, uh, now, if he does peak back to where he was in, like, 2018, that 2018 season, then, I mean, he's just going to skyrocket up my list. But. We'll have to see. Uh, I still like Lindor a lot, though. Yeah, I, I can't disagree there. Uh, we'll just see, see how it all plays out and what the real New York Met Francisco Lindor looks like uh, whenever the season resumes. Um, going into our top three. So just for the record, Ryan and I had the same exact one, two and three. Um, so this was where our list got definitely easier and it was more smooth sailing. Coming in at number three for both of us is one Trey Turner. Nats fans know him well. Uh, if you combine his 2021 season with both the Nats and the Dodgers, he had a 6.5 war, uh, won the batting title with 3.28 average, uh, OPS above 900. He had 28 bombs, 77 RBIs. Uh, Ryan obviously very uh, notoriously was pushing the Trey Turner for MVP uh, campaign before the season even started. And for a while there, it looked like he might just get it, but obviously the trade impacted that. Um Granted, the Nats suck too, so who knows if he would have won even if he stayed with the Nats, but uh, still a very, very good season. Also led the league in hits as well. Um, Trey Turner, like pretty, he's gotten better for the most part, you know, as the, the his career has progressed. Uh, he's always hit for average, he's always gotten on base that, um, you know, a respectable to great clip uh, last year, 375 on base percentage, 2020 or in 2020 as well. He had a 394, granted small sample size, but 394 OBP. That's, you know, what we were just praising Corey Seager about. Um, it, I don't know. Like maybe it's just because he's not a gnat anymore or what. I have a feeling Trey Turner is going to regress. And I don't know if that's just me. And it's not necessarily I'm like rooting for it. But 
I, I just have a feeling he's going to regress. It's just like, I, I don't have stats to back that up. Like I don't have, like I said, he's pretty much been getting better for the most part as he you know, ha- has gone on and progressed through his career. But I just have a gut feeling that uh, he's going to regress a little bit, not a ton, not where he's going to drop out of the top 10 completely, but I do think he's going to regress. Um, and I hope not, but that's just like a gut feeling. So that's why I didn't really consider putting him above uh, the one or two slot guys, but he did have such a great year last year that putting him any lower than three was just absurd. But Ryan, what are your thoughts on a uh, former friend, Trey Turner? Yeah. 2020, 2021, 2021 NLVP campaign, yeah. man. Look at that. <laughs> Called that shit. Um, so the thing with Trey, Trey is a great baseball player and we all know it. We have watched him Defense. for his entire career. I'll get to that in a second. Trey's the guy <laughs> who just hasn't been able to put all of the tools together at the same time. When he came up in 2016, we saw them. We saw the speed. He had 33 stolen bases in 73 games. That's absolutely stupid. He had 13 home runs, eight triples, 14 d- doubles in 73 games. He, he slugged 673 games. Like we were like, okay, this guy's going to be a freaking superstar. He's a five-star player, five to a player. After that, he just couldn't really put the tools together. You know, the power never really showed up. He never had over a 20 home run season. The speed was there. He kept getting hurt. 2018 did play every single game. He struggled with some injuries, getting hit, you know, breaking his hand, trying to bunt. Don't bunt. But in 2021, he put all the tools together again. 375 on base, 536 slugging, 330 batting average, led the league in stolen bases, led the league in hits, 34 home runs, career high 20, sorry, 34 doubles, led the league's not led, excuse me, career high 28 home runs for him, which is absolutely great. He had 10 of those when he went to the Dodgers in the second half. He finally put those tools together. The question with him, as always, is going to be, can he consistently do it? If Trey can, he is an elite shortstop and going to be top three consistently. His defense stinks. It did get better in 2021. It did. But in 2020, his defense was abysmal. It's hard hard to get worse. (laughs) It's like it's so weird because Trey is Trey is probably one of the fastest players in baseball, but he has no range. Makes no sense whatsoever. His range last year was the best it's been of his career. It was negative 1.2 UZR 150. Don't, don't know how. Um, Trey Turner has no range. His defensive struggles are well noted, but he played second base last year. That's fine. But if he can consistently put those tools together, he's going to be in our top three every single year he does. Yeah, that, that's fair. Also, one of, not one of, probably the best slide slash gif slash clip of all time that slide into home where he just like gradually pops up and the uh, smooth you, right there. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it like it, it's mesmerizing. You'll watch it a hundred times in a row easily. Trey, your namesake granted spelled differently. Uh, where do you have him on your list? Trey Turner is my number three as well. Uh, so it's really, it's, he slugged over 500 the last two seasons. If that is sustainable, then he's going to stay in the top three in uh, for me because uh, the combination of speed and power there is just elite at that point. Uh, I mean, we all know about Trey Turner. Uh, he's just kind of he's going to not strike out, contact guy, uh, not going to walk that much either. But if he's going to hit 328 and slug 536, then you don't really care as much about the on base percentage. 
as you would otherwise. Uh, so I don't know if I necessarily see him regressing. Um, maybe a little bit, like yeah, you said, Nick, not but, a ton, but a yeah, bit. I don't know if he he will probably doesn't have that much of a realistic chance to slide out of the top five for me unless he really has a rough season. Yeah, that's fair. I think for me, because I, I mean, I, I made some uh, aggressive bold predictions with both Bichette and Franco top five. For me, just picturing it, I would probably drop Seeger and Trey for my top if like my projections pan out as I expect them to. But Trey wouldn't drop any lower than six because I don't think he's going to be terrible. Like he hasn't had a terrible year in his entire career. So I don't think he's going to warrant you know, that far of a drop, but um, right now he he's one of the best players in the game. There's not really arguing against that. Cause like Ryan said, he finally put it all together and showed that he is one of the best players in the games. And, you know, uh, one thing we didn't mention, he was playing second base for the Dodgers after the trade. And, you know, obviously that's uh, carries over into your batting and just playing a different position in the mindset and, you know, the, the preparation, all that stuff, like, and being traded going from East coast to West coast, obviously a big deal. So we'll see how Trey Turner um, fares playing shortstop for the Dodgers and having a full season and a full off season with the Dodgers as well. Uh, moving into number two, number two, uh, arguably the face of baseball, that is Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, signed a huge mega deal before he had even played a full one, 162 game season. Uh, or just 162 games in general. Uh, but in the first year of that mega deal, it seems to have paid off just fine for the Padres. 6.6 war, 282 batting average, uh, led the league in home runs with 42, 97 RBIs, 25 stolen bases, 364 on base, seven or 975 OPS. I mean, it's hard to argue against that. Like, he, <laughs> that is pretty solid. And, uh, you know, if he continues to do stuff like that, he might make that mega deal look like a bargain. Um, the issue presently is obviously that shoulder. Did he have surgery? Did we, or did they just rest it? I didn't, I don't remember. No apparently. surgery. Yeah. No, so, yeah, yeah. I didn't think so either. So presumably that decision was made because it will, you know, heal itself with time and rest. And obviously, you know, we get a little bit more rest with no spring training and, uh, the season not starting on time, but that's the present concern. But if he is healthy, there's no reason he shouldn't be top two. Like he is as advertised uh, MVP four in 2020 um, MVP three last year, all-star silver slugger, uh, silver slugger, both years um, probably would have been all-star, but obviously no all-star game in 2020. It's rookie year three in 2019. Like, and as I mentioned with like Tim Anderson, the the electricity is there. And I, I love that. And something I, I factor highly in these rankings, like, you know, I, I want the personality to come with the star players. And it feels like a lot of the guys in baseball, we don't get that. So when we do, you know, I like to appreciate it. So I couldn't put him number one, but he is absolutely nipping at the heels and a firm number two for me. Uh, Fernando Tatis uh, probably would be like top, two or three right fielders if he if he sticks to outfield for whatever reason as well um but shortstop very very good ryan why is fernando tatis so good 
Um, he's got that dog. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's what I was waiting yes. for. <laughs> you know, Tatis is special. Um, he's one of my favorite players, not on the Nationals. When you look at his numbers, he's just good. This year was the coming out party for him. 97 RBIs, 42 home runs, uh, 975 OPS, which is absolutely absurd. And he's done a lot of very special things. He's the first player in MLB history with 40 plus home runs, 30 plus stolen bases in his first 162 games. He was also the 10th player in MLB history to hit 40 or more home runs before in a season before turning 23. Fernando Tatis is special. If you're a shortstop who can hit 40 or more home runs, you're going to you're going to be an all-star. You're going to win Silver Slugger. You're going to be an MVP conversation every single year. That's just that's just how that's going to work, and it's going to keep working with him. He has two issues though. I said I, I said I was going to mention it, and I'm going to mention <laughs> it. The man stinks at defense, and it's something you kind of can't ignore with him. Um, he has no range whatsoever. He had negative six defensive runs saved last year. His ultimate zone rating 150 was negative 11.2. That's not good. But I said it was Xander. And I'm going to say it again. If you stink at one place, you have to make it up. And he more than made it up offensively. If your OPS is close to a thousand, if you're a shortstop and 22 years old slugging above 600, no one's going to care about your defense, which no one did. The Padres did move in the right field just because he was really bad defensively, but they also have like 15 infielders who could play shortstop last year. But if he consistently does this offensively, he's going to be not only the face of baseball, he's going to be one of the best players in baseball. And he's going to be very, very fun to watch as he continues to grow and develop into the game. Um, His numbers since he's come up have been consistent, like three years, career 965 OPS. Like that's just absolutely absurd. His career slugging is 600. He's a very, very special player and I cannot wait to keep watching him. My second concern, injuries to the shoulder are devastating. Not just the pitchers, to everyone. And something we kind of don't really talk about in baseball enough, guys who do not suffer a shoulder injury average a eight-year career Guys who do suffer a major shoulder injury average less than a four-year career. So that's something that's definitely going to be needed to keep an eye on with Tatis as he continues to play is how is his shoulder going to keep up? I mean, just move to first base like the Ryan Zimmerman treatment. Uh, yeah. It's not, like, it's not like he was great at shortstop anyways. Am I right? Um, but one thing I did want to mention, pairing uh, someone as electric as uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. with someone as electric as Don Orsillo is just like chef's kiss, like match made in heaven. Um, and it's just awesome, awesome TV. Uh, like the the West Coast games are a must watch uh, when you have fr- someone like Fernando Tatis. Trey, did Fernando Tatis crack that coveted number one spot or is he a little bit further down on your list? He did. I uh, put him at number one on my list. And yes, I understand the defense is a huge issue, Um, but he's 23. He's got some time to potentially work some of those kinks out. I don't really see him ever getting to the point where he's good, but if he can just become average, that would be great. Um, He hit hit 42 home runs in 130 games. Uh, That's insane. Not bad. That means that he would have been closer to 50 had he played a full 162. And I believe 
there's only one shortstop ever that has hit 50 home runs in a season. It was a rod like multiple times. Uh, I believe that's correct. I, if I'm wrong, I will it make is. sure to. It's correct. Good. Yeah. If you're, uh, if sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but if yeah, you're, short, if you're a young shortstop and people are talking about a rod with you, you're in good company. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, as far as we are aware, obviously he could now that it's legal, uh, not on the roids. Um, it's technically legal right now, obviously, because there's a lockout and they're not testing. But um, yeah, six uh, eleven slugging. He's got fifty home run potential as a shortstop. Uh, so I'm I'm betting on the youth here and saying he's going to be the best shortstop in 2022. I mean that's that's a perfectly fine, <laughs> perfectly fine take. I I don't even think that's hot take. I think that's just you know that's acceptable. Uh, for once, Trey has like a reasonable take on. For one once, I've had one bad one, <laughs> and it's not even so you be admit bad it. by the end of the season. <laughs> All right, number one on our list, obviously the guy we have not mentioned yet. That is uh, Derek Jeter coming back to play shortstop for the Yankees after resigning from the Marlins. Um, funny enough, it is not Derek Jeter, but it is the guy who talked plenty of shit about Derek Jeter, and I don't even know what necessarily prompted that but it was funny nonetheless one of the most punchable faces in baseball that is carlos correa feel the way you want to feel about him whatever he is still very very good you know apply what we talked about with jose altuve last week to this week with carlos correa probably even more so like he's been so solid it like you can't find many holes in his game like he's just all around uh and the thing that really takes him over the top Obviously, recency bias it plays a heavy part in this. He might be the best ALDS hitter of all time. Like, dude absolutely goes nuclear in the ALDS. Obviously, he's pretty solid throughout the entire postseason, has plenty of postseason experience. But, like, the ALDS, for whatever reason, or just the division series, like, he goes absolutely nuclear. Like, I remember the 2020 ALDS against Oakland. He's hitting, like, multiple bombs and – uh, this past year, I believe they played uh, the White Sox. He went nuclear yet again, and the White Sox were obviously built on their pitching staff. And Carlos Correa said, "Ah, tough shit. Like I am taking you yard." Um, Carlos Correa again, very punchable face, but he's just good. Like, what can you really say? This past year, seven point two WAR, two seventy nine batting average, ninety two RBIs, twenty six home runs, eight fifty OPS. Um, so it's not like the flashy numbers that Fernando Tatis um, boasts, but like Carlos Gray is just so good. Like, again, I don't think you can find many holes in this game other than he has a very punchable face. Uh, But Ryan, what are your thoughts on Carlos Correa? Why was he your number one? Yeah. Everyone hating Carlos Correa makes me like him more. Um, (laughs) Shocker there. (laughs) Correa does have some issues in his past with consistency. When you look at his numbers, 2017 stands out very much so, but this year, you know, they they weren't cheating this year, but his numbers were still great. Carlos Correa is someone that the analytics absolutely loves um he is someone as a player who fully embraced analytics he started talking about a lot this year about his wrc plus and a lot of other analytical stats and for good reasons because he leads in most of them him and tatis are at the top and a lot of them the reason why i put him one over tatis is the boy can play defense and defense matters shortstop there's a reason why i keep talking about he had 20 defensive run saves which is just 
absolutely absurd for a shortstop. Quite, quite for, good. <laughs> for anyone, really, that's really, really good. And he also had a lot of range as well, which plays into it. And we all know how strong his arm is. Um, he is just good defensively. He's consistent offensively. Well, consistent the last couple of years. Um, offensively, gotta gotta look around what 2017 did to his numbers. But that defensive boost is the reason why I put him at number one. Here's my favorite stat: in 79 playoff games, he's probably the best shortstop hitter for playoffs. Maybe. Um, he's hitting 272, 344, 505 with 18 home runs and 59 RBIs in 79 <laughs> playoff games. That's absolutely absurd. Adam Eaton in the 162 game average, 12 home runs and 57 RBIs and a 763 OPS. So in 80 playoff games. Carlos Correa is monumentally better than Adam Eaton in one season. That's all I'm saying. Just had to get in the oh, Eaton slam. I love right? it. I Adam love Eaton it. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Trey, why was Correa not your number one? Um, I love Correa, and by that I mean I also hate him. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So That's he's future just... Nat Carlos Correa. Show some goddamn respect. Well, I mean, I will love him unconditionally if he, <laughs> if he comes to the Nats. But, uh, yeah, so he's an amazing player. He's had uh, very consistent plate discipline throughout his career, very consistent power throughout his career. Um, and, obviously, the defense. He probably – I honestly – I don't know if it's a hot take. I think he's the best defensive shortstop right now, personally. But, um uh, obviously that's debatable, but Simmons I don't, there was probably the only argument. Yeah. But yeah. Well, before, yeah. When he was playing like every, every day at shortstop, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. Um, yeah, no problem. Uh, so yeah, I really like Correa a lot and I think he's going to be phenomenal next season. Uh, he's only 27, which is insane. I feel like he's been around forever because he kind of has, but, uh, yeah, the, the, I just, I really like how Tatis projects, if Tatis gets to 50 homers, uh, which I think he's very capable of doing. Hard then to argue against that. I, yeah, that's that's my only thing. Even if the defense isn't quite there, that's just ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, they were basically interchangeable. I went back and forth on it a lot, to be fair. I was it's like, I struggle hard with this, with this choice. But I went with him at number two, and I still think he's an amazing player. Yeah. So uh, a fun fact about the list, you know, uh, so just to quickly run through the com- uh, compo- composite, Jesus, composite list between Mario and myself, Carlos Correa, Fernando Tatis, Trey Turner, Francisco Lindor, Xander Bogarts, uh, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, Bo Bichette, Tim Anderson, Wander Franco. They're all under 30. And that's just goes to show the depth. I, I, I don't have the exact numbers uh, in front of me, but I think Turner and Story maybe. Oh, yeah. No, Turner, Story, Lindor uh, are like they're 28, and I think they're the oldest of the bunch. Like, the, this is a very young and deep class. And even if you were going to get to the honorable mentions here uh, in a minute, but like, it's just such a young position that it's going to be good for quite some time. And uh, as Ryan has mentioned the past couple of weeks, like, guys will be shifting in and out of shortstop based on, you know, how good they are defensively or injuries or what prospects might be coming up that fill that position better, probably defensively. But like this class is just so good. Or I shouldn't say class. It's not the the same year or anything, but like this position is just so good 
it's it's pretty crazy. But uh, Trey, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you had the same guys, different order, but same ten guys in your top ten as well. Uh, yeah, that is correct. I yeah, think. so that's, I mean, it that makes it sound like it's very cut and dry, but it's still again, not. <laughs> it's still it's still not in my opinion, and it could look a lot different. Maybe not names, but positionally uh, or like rankings wise, you know, if we're doing this next off season, um, let's get into some honorable mentions. I had one that I was like trying to find every number in the book, some excuse as to why he belonged in the top 10. Uh, maybe next year in his full, uh, full season with his new team, he w- he will get there. But right now I couldn't put him above like Tim Anderson or Wander Franco. I just couldn't. But that is Willie Adamas. The guy Wander Franco sent packing out of town. Uh, granted, he wasn't doing well with the Rays at the time of the trade. But when he got to Milwaukee, he took off. Uh, 285, 366, 521 for 886 OPS. He had 20 bombs in 99 games uh with milwaukee 58 rbis like he was and he walked 47 times in those 99 games as well like he was so good like i i don't know what's going on in milwaukee because it feels like that's just you know outside looking in obviously not being an mlb player it seems like just such a good place to play and just a good environment good culture and there's obviously so many bad places to play for one reason or another but seems like guys go there and just have like great years and Willie Adamas was one of those and you know I mentioned the youth movement he's only 25 heading into his age 26 season so who knows what he might discover when uh you know he gets a full season with Milwaukee and whatnot but if you want to go back to his last couple years with Tampa like he's still solid like 2020 shortened season but you know 813 OPS um 2019 he's 20 bombs his ops was a little bit lower 735 but still solid solid and that was also his age 23 season so he's gotten consistently better i'm a big willie adamas fan but this top 10 is already so good it's hard to find a, a room for him but that was my one big honorable mention where i'm like trying to finesse any single stat i can and create a narrative that he's top 10 but i actually list these guys out and he's not there yet he could be but he's not there yet uh, did you guys have uh, – Trey, I know you did, so I'll, I'll save you for last. Ryan, did you have an honorable mention that you were uh, fighting over? I'm literally blanking on their names. <laughs> Come back to me. Come back to me. Give me All 10 right, seconds. You're good. All right. Trey, go ahead. Name your seven honorable mentions. Yeah, I had a bunch. I wrote literally every shortstop, uh, but obviously that was just a joke. The can one I, I want to talk about the most, you, uh, you can guess this guy if you want. Why you, you told I know this guy, yeah, Nikki Lopez, yeah, yeah, okay. So, right, talk me, about him. I'll talk about Nikki first. So, um, I said Carlos Correa, I think, is the best defensive shortstop right now. But if Nikki Lopez does what he did last year again, he's gonna take that spot, uh, because he's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know if you got it, just go watch some highlights of this guy playing defense because it's absolutely insane what he's able to do out there. Yeah, I don't, I don't um, think many people know about him yet yeah and that's because he's on the royals obviously he and i i try like you did with adamas i tried everything in my power to get him in this top 10 but uh he's kind of he's a typical shortstop profile you know obviously you know 10 20 years ago these big power shortstops weren't very prevalent now they kind of all are but he he's a contact 
uh, first approach, he hit 300, uh, got on base enough to, he, I mean, 365, but his walk rate was good enough, probably about middle of the road. Uh, but he doesn't hit for any power. I think that's fine, honestly. <laughs> he's got every other tool, so uh, he's going to be a great player going forward as well. Another super young guy. Um, and then, yeah, I had a bunch of other guys. Uh, Giants fans probably hate us right now because we didn't talk about Brandon, Brandon Crawford. Crawford. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's old. So. He's old. Yeah, but he, he was he was amazing last year. Javi Baez, J.P. Crawford, I love out of Seattle. He's a great defender as well. Yeah, he, he could skyrocket up this list. Yeah, I love him too. So those are my guys. Yeah, no, uh, no Glaber Torres? I like – I actually was going to be talking about Glaber in a potentially this week's video, so oh, stay tuned. We'll, we'll save it. We'll say – I mean, they're – but even if you drop down the list a little, a little bit, like there's still so many solid guys. Like you mentioned, Brandon Crawford, um, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Like he kind of plays defender. everywhere, but yeah, he he's deserving of like an honorable mention. Uh, David Fletcher, he was more of a second baseman, but he played some shortstop. He was really good uh, and kind of took the Angels by storm there for a little bit as well. Uh, Miguel Rojas, noted Nats killer. I mean, Paul DeYoung, like th- there's so, so many shortstops. I guess I'll say Dansby so, Swanson. Da- well, I hate Dan. <laughs> Dansby sucks. Don't mention him again. Yeah, I, I think he's the most overrated player. Well, I think he's I overrated most, as well. But, but I, I think, think he's, he's insanely overrated. Um, obviously, we didn't mention uh, Alcides Escobar. Um, the GOAT. <laughs> that sucked. That, that like left a bad taste in my mouth. That was not fun. I won't making be making that joke again um yeah there there's a ton of guys like i'm scrolling through the list right now and i'm just like geez there's already so many guys we didn't talk about but that's just the the nature of it and the nats don't have anyone in the top 30 um (laughs) but you know it is what it is at this point the nats are the nats we don't have baseball anyways so just cancel the season it's not like it matters all right, but that does it for short stops. Next week, we'll be tackling third baseman, the hot corner. Um, off the top of my head, I think it's going to be a pretty good discussion. I think especially with that 7 through 12 range again, I think there's going to be quite some mix-up in the rankings because some guys you know, might be moving to third or might be moving off a of third, so we'll – have to see what the arguments are for third baseman next week. Um, before we wrap here, obviously it seems like we won't have baseball. I don't imagine a deal being done anytime soon. Do you guys have any final thoughts, any uh, last words before we officially head into the abyss of canceled games? Manfred sucks. Manfred does suck. Baseball was fun while it lasted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, she's not here, so uh, Ryan, I unfortunately can't give you a full victory lap, but you've been, like, uh, declaring baseball as dead or as dying for as long as we've been doing this show, and, you know, some people just didn't want to hear it, but you are the voice that is necessary even when people don't want to hear it. No, I just, I just straight up appreciate that, man. You're, you're a really swell guy, and people... don't give me the fucking Monty treatment. Like, <laughs> I don't need, I don't need to hear about how great of a guy I am. <laughs> oh God, um, baseball, yeah, R.I.P. 
you were my favorite and you are dead because you were killed. <sighs> that sucks. But great ending. Very positive. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that got very depressing. Uh, but Trey is going to continue to put out phenomenal content. Obviously, you're, if you're watching this, you know, this has been a great episode. Uh, I would say top 180 of all time. Give or take. Definitely. Give or take. Um, and he has potentially another nice little uh, video coming out for you this week as well. So keep your eye out on that. Again, be sure to head to the YouTube page if you're not already on it. Click subscribe so you don't miss any of the great videos Trey's putting out. Uh, head over to Twitter. You can follow us all there. Trey, you can follow him at reverse, two R's, two S's. Ryan at We Are All Shack. Myself at Nats Moose. Uh, the show at Half Street High Heat, and be sure to check out halfstreethighheat.com as well. You can find all of the latest articles from our great writing team, Monty, Allison, Danny, Matt, Tyler, CK. Did I forget anyone? Shit. I think I nailed it. I think you got it. Oh, God, I hope I nailed it. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have, we, we I shouldn't have, have listed this. everyone. <laughs> that was a bad move. But I think I got everyone. A great writing team uh, over there is continuing to put out great content during this lockout and obviously non-baseball time. Um, and obviously the merch and all that good stuff for Half Street High Heat. Again, next week, the hot corner. So be sure to brush up on your third baseman. Uh, this has been an episode of Half Street High Heat. Uh, we don't know when baseball will be coming back, so uh, just hang tight, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Next week, we'll be back, I promise. See ya. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls, so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. the early light of dawn well you can see they're running scared cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are and bursting in the air tell the library of congress that they might not want to look cause we're putting curly w's in every book let's go
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.